you can do all the robotics and automation you want. If you don't have workforce on top of that, buying into it, you ain't getting anywhere with it. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. All right, what's happening? This is episode 52, and we are just continuing to roll through our little accidental robotics mini-series here on Manufacturing Happy Hour. Today, we're talking robots again, but we're also talking workforce development and uh, even a little pop culture chatter. We're going to be speaking with Aaron Prather from FedEx. He has had a long career there. He is their go-to lead for robotics, and quite frankly, a lot of cool technological advances at that company. So we have a fun conversation on the docket for you today. So here are a few things you can expect from this discussion. First and foremost, we're going to be talking about Aaron's experience at FedEx. We're going to be going through his career, and he has some fantastic advice to share on how to stay curious and continue to find new things to do as you go through your own career journey. Second, we're going to talk about robotics. We have some great stories, some things that he's seen in his space, as well as some of the quirky, personable things people do with their robots as they become more and more a part of the workforce. We're also going to be talking about the human aspect, no doubt, in terms of how this is opening up opportunities for the people in these industries. Finally, we're going to talk about workforce development. Aaron is a big workforce advocate. You can see him talking about that on LinkedIn all the time, and he'll highlight some of his favorite organizations that continue to advance the industry and the people that work within it. If you'd like to learn more about this episode, you can head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 52 to access all the resources from this one. And also, if you're enjoying this conversation, if you've been enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes, where it's super fast to leave that rating and review. It doesn't need to be more than a couple sentences. And with that, in Manufacturing Happy Hour fashion, we got to talk about beverages first. So let's dive in and figuratively head to Memphis, Tennessee to meet up with Aaron Prather. Aaron, I guess the first and most important question is if we were hanging out in Memphis right now mm-hmm. and uh, grabbing a beverage, where would we be grabbing a drink? Oh, boy. Uh, there'd be... Uh two locations that I would definitely be taking uh, guests to. First is Ghost River Brewery in downtown Memphis. It's the oldest brewery in Memphis uh, continuously. And actually, they're about to open up a location on Beale Street here in Mm. Memphis. So uh, a lot of us are looking forward to that. Uh, The other one would be Wiseacre uh, Brewery. Uh, They have a great new uh, brewery just down to... just outside of downtown uh, Memphis. Uh, but man, they have some of the best brews out there. Actually, one of my favorite is Prank Calls to Satan. Um, <laughs> That's a great name for a beer. What is that beer? Uh, uh, what is it? <laughs> it is It is an IPA. And here, I, I'm not a big fan of IPAs, but this one I can drink. It has 
subtle hints of pineapple and berry flavor. And it is just a really surprising beer. Like you're making prank calls to Satan. So it's a, it's a top notch beer. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, in that case, let's say we're hanging out at Wiseacre. You and I are both drinking a, uh, a prank calls to Satan and, and someone comes up to you and, and they're like, you know, Aaron, I see you sharing all these videos on LinkedIn about robots and you're talking about workforce development all the time. Why are you so passionate about workforce development? How do you explain that to someone if you're hanging out with them, drinking some beers at a brewery? Well, I mean, the whole thing is, is I mean, my day job is is to introduce automation and robotics into the FedEx ecosystem. And that, that's what my team does 24-7 is we're always looking for that that new cutting edge piece of technology that we can introduce to our workforce. And there's the key term there, to our workforce. Uh, we're nothing without our folks. Uh, it has been ingrained in, in FedEx culture that our people are, are what takes us to the levels our customers expect. So as I'm looking for this new technology, I'm always thinking about how is my frontline employee going to use this? How is this going to improve their lives and make them more efficient for our customers? So automation robotics is the same coin of with, with workforce on the other side of it. You, you can do all the robotics and automation you want. If you don't have workforce on top of that, buying into it, you ain't getting anywhere with it. So that's why I'm passionate on both sides of this. Love that. And and the human element tied to the technology element is a big theme in our show. We're definitely going to get into both as uh, as we go through the conversation today. But before we get too far, I want to make sure I give you a proper introduction to our audience today. So our guest is no stranger to robotics advocates in the manufacturing world. And his company is equally as renowned to anyone that has ever sent a package through the mail. Not only is he a senior technical advisor at FedEx, but he's also an evangelist for automation and workforce development. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Prather. It's good to have you here today, Aaron. Thanks for having me, Chris. I greatly appreciate being here uh, and looking forward to our little conversation. Yeah, and, and we've already kicked things off. You know, I feel like uh, you're, you're, you're at the brewery answer was already uh, already pretty on par with what I was introducing you for. I mean, anytime you, uh, I, I see you out there, it's, uh, it's either workforce, technology, and you're tying them both together. But before we get into that, I want to cover a bit of your story because you've had an illustrious career at FedEx. You've been there, I think, over 25 years now. Um, yep. And if I, if I remember right, you started out as a materials handler back in 1995. You were unloading bulk and container, containerized trucks. So describe mm-hmm. what that was like. Take us back to the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I was a university student at the University of Memphis uh, walking through the UC one day. And there's this flyer saying FedEx is starting a weekend shift. Uh, and they were very much targeting us university students that could work a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because most of our schedules were Monday through Thursday. So it's like, well, shoot, I need some extra money. Um, uh, and I've heard nothing great, uh, nothing but great things about, about FedEx. So uh, applied, got the job. And yeah, they put me right out on the line offloading uh, bulk trucks. Uh, so I definitely, I, I know that pain and uh, that our employees feel, feel uh, while doing these jobs because I've done it myself. And I, I'm, I'm very proud that, I have that. And it's one of the reasons why when I talk about introducing automation and robotics to these types of job functions, uh, 
I, I can I can do it with some sense of authority because I've done that job myself. I'm not some engineer in a lab saying, oh, I have this great idea. No, I've done that job. I know what it, it's going to take, what's going to work, what's not going to work. Uh, interesting today, I was back out there today showing two of our newest engineers that we, we've recently hired into my team, and we walked the line. We walked the truck line and said, this is what we're looking at doing work on. And trust me, I came out of this this world. And it was interesting is, is like two of the managers come up to me and give me a hug. And we talk about the old days. I mean, talk about going and getting a beer with some folks. I mean, I those those managers raised me. And I, I never forget what they taught, taught me back then. And it leads into why I do what I do now. Yeah. And, and that, it's funny because that was actually going to be my next question because I looked at that first experience and I'm like, I've got a feeling that might have impacted your attitude towards robotics and automation, really starting out there doing doing the manual work. I mean, you've probably heard it before. We talk about the dull, dirty, dangerous jobs. I don't know if that mm-hmm. would you say that that work qualified for all three of those or it definitely hit at least one or two at a time, <laughs> uh, maybe a third, uh, depending on, on just definitely during peak season. I would put all yeah. three in there because it's just you're dealing with so much volume. You're just going as fast as possible. But I mean, that that's what we I mean, every you hear everyone in the industry say that dull, dirty, dangerous. If mm-hmm. you can if you have a use case that hits one of those or more of those, boom. That's the use case you need to go after. That's the one that is the ideal candidate for robotics and automation. And that's what we always stress when we're, we're talking to folks in this field, regardless of logistics or manufacturing. If you're wanting to get into robotics and automation, that's where you start. You look for those dull, dirty, dangerous use cases. Those are the ones you go after. Yeah, and, and and I know and I know that's part of your influence for your uh, your passion for technology and automation. I was reading up on an interview that you recently did in ARM Advanced Robotics uh, for Manufacturing. I got to have a little fun with you because you also talked about how Star Wars and uh, Buck Rogers were also influences. And first of all, I just mm-hmm. have to I have to ask. I'm sure some people in our audience know who Buck Rogers is, but for the millennials and and after that, we we need we need to know who that is and how it helped shape your passion towards technology <laughs> well i mean buck rogers goes way 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 back but yeah in the uh, 80s uh there was a tv show they actually made it into a, a a weekly tv show and yeah the whole idea was buck rogers was actually a man from our sin, our timeline uh and of course the whole sci-fi bent of he's frozen in space he gets defrosted and boom he's in the future uh, so a, a precursor to the future Rama, to say the least, um, which we could talk all day about too. <laughs> uh, but the whole the whole thing of of here you had a robot uh, uh, and all this technology on a weekly show as a kid in prime time, uh, watching that with my parents. Man, that was just I mean that because you, you Star Wars was great, but it was it was just a movie, then two movies, and three movies. But Brock Rogers was a weekly show you could watch and always have that technology in front of your face. And I think that really just, for a lot of folks in my generation, just that just really formed our opinion about how great technology can be. 
Now, I've got a question. We'll take it back to modern times a little bit. What are you seeing influencing kids now in the same way? Or what do you see influencing the next generation, kind of the same way Buck Rogers got you excited about things? Well, I mean, it was interesting. I saw an article recently that actually when they asked a bunch of uh, preteens, like, what do you want to become? Uh, And I mean, I remember back to those days, oh, an astronaut, a computer programmer, all these great things. And now I'm hearing, I want to be a YouTube star. I want to be a Instagram influencer. And I'm like, okay, um, not everyone can do that. And maybe, maybe I am just a little too old now of, of saying, oh, yeah, that's a great thing. But then it's funny, Chris, is we look at each other and it's like, wait a second. That's what we sort of do ourselves on, on, on social media ourselves mm-hmm. is you have your podcast. I post things. Um, so it, it, it's a, a nice thing for, for them to see paths. And I think that's a great thing uh, of maybe, yes, as the older generation, it's like, yeah, cut, kid, yeah, cut it out. But the whole thing is, is this, this is kids, again, embracing technology. They want to do something that put, ha, allows technology to put themselves out there. Now, mm. yes, they want to be famous. They want to be. They want to do all those things. But the whole thing is, is if we can tap into that embrace of technology, I think that could open doors into some of the areas where we actually need some of the help. Um, I think our, our, our friend Jake Hallover at the Manufacturing Millennial, I think he really gets this as well of just that's why he's he's on those channels trying to get get kids to think about those things and it is just you you can embrace this and take the whole thought leadership part and create your own future now and it's just where are where's the kids want to go with that future and i think that's 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 where i think maybe some of us in the older generation maybe should help guide them but the whole thing is, is we shouldn't poo poo this whole idea of I want to be a YouTube sensation. Well, what, how, how do you, can you use that technology to take you somewhere else? So? Well, I, I like that you put a positive spin on that. And yeah, YouTuber seems to be the common thing. I don't hear as many people saying, I want to be a podcaster. I'm, I'm trying to hopefully change mm-hmm. that a little bit. But I think you're doing it right also, because a, a couple things for our audience out there. One, if you're not following Aaron on LinkedIn, do it because you're constantly sharing um, videos of robots, you know, it's not always like a manufacturing applications, you know, for the 21 plus crowd, you've shown one where they're like pouring beer, you've shown robotics doing every which little thing out there. And it's not only is it informative, it's entertaining as well. Um, mm-hmm. And also for those of you um, that listen to the show regularly, Jay Call uh, that we get just gave a shout out for episode 41. Make sure to go back and check that out if, uh, if you haven't gotten to do that yet. But, you know, let's since we're talking career, I want to go back to your career a little bit as well before we get into some talk on on FedEx. You know, how did you keep finding new things to do at FedEx? That's a question that I have on my mind because you had, you know, you started off arguably one of the most manual labor type jobs you had there and you went through project engineering to where you are now in R&D, you know, for people that are trying to navigate your, their careers, you managed to do it at a single company while keeping it interesting. How did you do that? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, my first break came from uh, my senior manager at the time was like, man, I got to look at all this data and I got to figure out how we're doing some of these things. Cause he, he was looking over all of the trucking operations. So he had us offloading trucks, he also had uh, other operations across the entire facility here in Memphis doing trucking. 
and he's being asked by his leadership of, of you need to show us how you're hitting some of these numbers and all that. And he's like, man, how do I do that? And I was actually turning in paperwork at the time of all the trucks that it, my team had offloaded. And I'm like, well, you know, there's this thing called Excel. It's like, what's that? <laughs> and it's like, well, it's this thing in Microsoft. Don't you have Microsoft? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I used Word. What's Excel? <laughs> and I literally showed him how to use Excel. And he, and the next, in one week, I found myself actually, he had he, he created a little desk for myself in, in one of the offices. And he says, Aaron, put all this in, give me graphs, give me the, and boom, 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 boom. So I started doing all that early work in Excel. And it's just because I played with Excel on my own and, 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 and tinkered with it. So, and then, and then a director came and says, well, I need Aaron doing all this. So I, I kept like slowly moving up the chain because of my technical skills, which at the time I didn't think were real solid technical skills at the time. Uh, actually, when I finally ended up graduating by that time, I was already in a, in a role to take over all the scanning operations at, at in, in, in the facility. So it, it was just a, you got to put yourself out there. <laughs> okay. There is this whole thing of, if you don't collide with some key folks out there, you ain't going to get anywhere. So the whole thing is, is would have been great to have Facebook and LinkedIn back in those days. Oh yeah. Because that's, I mean, you're, you're making those connections. So that, that'd be the first thing I would talk to tell folks is, you got to put yourself out there. You got to network. Um, that's the only way you're going to start making those connections. And uh, I'll talk about it a little bit further down the road of how that first point I think is very critical. Um, but then, as I kept advancing up through the chain, my tactic changed a little bit. It wasn't of who I knew and talking to them and, and using those connections. But taking it the next step of really being vocal, I want to do that. I'm the guy that can do that for you. And that's what actually led to my current position is a a coworker was already in the position I have now. And he was saying, hey, Aaron, I I really wanted to talk to you because you have knowledge on this, this and this because I had worked everywhere in the company. And he needed somebody with that operational knowledge. And I'm like, well, what are you trying to accomplish? He says, well, I think we're going to start really doing a bunch of stuff in robotics. And this this was many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that's really cool. I want to do that. And he's like, okay, well, consult with us. And I think if we get an opening, we'll get you in. And what actually ended up happening is he took a position back in academics. He, he went back to the academic world. So the position opened up. And I literally just walked up to his boss saying, I want the job. Yeah. And boom. I mean, that sometimes that that is what it takes is just you saying, I want to do this. Um, and I, I had my track record behind me to do that. And so that so going back to building your connections, mm-hmm. you build your connections, you build your expertise. And then you can pretty much dictate what you want to go after and folks will know you are that person because you built those connections, you built that reputation. And that, that is what I really stress to a lot of folks uh, out there now is you got to start with those connections and build up your reputation. Your reputation then does take you the next 
to those next steps. And it's a lot of work. It took me 20, well, 20 plus years. Um, uh, but the whole thing is, is the payoff is huge. I mean, it, 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 it's so satisfying. And now it's, it's my turn to return that. And that's, that's how I see myself on LinkedIn is one of those connectors of, I, I have folks coming to me all the time of, of approaching me with ideas and I'll give them my two cents. And if I don't think they're a proper fit at FedEx of the technology they're working on, mm-hmm. I will gladly connect them on to the next person. Sure. And, and that's how I'm paying that back of helping them build their connections and their expertise by just being that connector in the system. And that's, I mean, in hindsight, when you look back on it, uh, that's what FedEx is, is we connect the world. We touch 99% of the world economy by connecting it all. So I'm just one of those FedEx connectors in the, in the stream. It's just, I'm connecting maybe a, a robot company with a manufacturer or with a FedEx or with somebody else and just letting everything flow through. Love that. Well, two great points you made there that you stressed a couple times. One, got to put yourself out there and network, make those connections. Then two, you got to be vocal about what you want. Like I think a, a mistake I see a number of people make, maybe it's not a mistake, maybe they're just not aware of it, but you kind of just expect you're going to get tapped for that promotion at some point or tap for that next job. But you're right. You totally got to go for it. You got to ask for it. And you, I, I think even before that, you got to know what you want before it. I think that's where some people get tripped up. They don't really know what they want to do next. So great mm-hmm. lessons there. I've got to ask you about your current role, you know, a little bit more before we dive in into some of the workforce topics. But, you know, your mission, as I understand it, is to seek out and and evaluate new technologies for FedEx. So, mm-hmm. you know, we th- this show has a, a how it's made element to it. You know, what technologies do you see mo- being most useful to the logistics space right now that you can talk to? I mean, the the big breakthroughs uh, that have happened over the past, actually, almost months, when you really think about it, mm-hmm. is the advancement of pick-and-place applications, of just picking something from point A and putting it on point B. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when you break down a lot of stuff in logistics, similar to even in manufacturing, where you're just picking up something and placing it onto the next, to go on to the next step, that is how logistics works. You Something comes in, it has to be placed into a position to go on to its next destination. Within uh, the world of FedEx, and even you, you'd hear the same thing from, from our, our cohorts at UPS, DHL, Amazon. We know how many touches a package has as it travels through our network, depending if it's going through the, the one the overnight or the, the, the more deferred product. You're talking about at least 25 to 35 touch points on average. So looking at each one of those saying, which ones can we automate and take a person out of the touch and let a robot or automation touch it? That's huge. Uh, We are only now in this industry getting into at least eliminating one of those points. Over the years, we'll eliminate more and more of those. Same thing with mobile robots of moving things across the facility using a mobile robot. that's growing faster and faster as well. Uh, what's helping drive that point in logistics is not only just the warehousing applications of moving stuff using a mobile robot, but in our sort facilities 
of using them to move some of the bigger, bulkier packages that just can't go on conveyor belts. Because now, thanks thanks to e-commerce, you can order anything. Mm-hmm. You can order anything in the world. And man, have we seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have seen some interesting things that people have shipped. And some of those things just can't go on your conventional conveyor belt system. So using uh, mobile robots to move those from point A to point B is a growing and growing thing. So uh, those are the two biggest applications out there, pick and place and then mobile robots. Love that. And and I've got to ask, you know, what has it been like the past year, really? I mean, how has that been with every, I mean, everyone's been ordering more stuff because they're at home. Like, can mm-hmm. have, have you felt that firsthand while you're at FedEx? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, when the lockdown happened in March, it pretty much became peak, uh, peak season plus some. And it never let up. It never let up. And it still hasn't let up. Uh, volumes continue to grow uh, because grandma has discovered e-commerce and she ain't going back. <laughs> um, so we're, we're seeing more and more ordering. And what's great about our network is we were sort of anticipating that this was coming. We really envisioned that this was going to happen in the second part of this decade. We would really start seeing a surge. And the pandemic just accelerated the timeline. We're there now. Um, so that's put a lot more pressure on my team of going and finding these technologies and seeing which ones are ready for prime time, which ones still need maybe a little bit more time in the, in the minor leagues. Um, and what, what can we do now? And we're definitely, uh, we've definitely pretty much got who the players are. We know where the technologies are. Uh, and it's just, you'll see us rolling out those more and more, um, as we can. Uh, the biggest issue now in logistics is the brownfields versus the greenfield sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, 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 we're launching new, new sort facilities all the time. And yes, those guys are getting the top notch of the line automation or robotics right away. It's figuring out how we go back to our brownfield sites and adjust those. So we can introduce those and it, it can be done. Uh, we've done it before. It's just that does slow us down a little bit in those kind of things. But as I said, we are a huge organization. There are plenty of opportunities. Uh, and I always stress to our vendors of don't worry, we're going to be buying from all of you um, because we, we have to. Uh, no one can feed the beast uh, of FedEx, Amazon, UPS, DHL, even, even the post office. A lot of folks would be surprised how much automation the post office has, mm. uh, but all all of us are going to be buying from everybody. So it's a great time. If you're a robot manufacturer, you're in automation, you you probably are more busy than we are in, in many ways. Oh, I, I, I don't doubt. Well, I shouldn't say I don't doubt that. I've seen it firsthand from, from a lot of our mutual buddies we have in the robotics space. We'll be right back, right after a word from our sponsor. All right, I have a special guest to take care of this ad for me, so keep listening. This episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour is sponsored by Steamchain.io. Steamchain is the machine-as-a-service company, meaning they equip end-users and equipment builders with the technology that allows them to pay or get paid based on machine performance and production outcomes. That's right, Steamchain is flipping the centuries-old capital procurement process on its head. 
Now, if you listen to this show regularly, you know I think machine as a service is one of the best solutions in manufacturing right now. But don't take it from me. Hear it from their customers. Let's hear what Robex's president, Craig Francisco, has to say about their Flex Machine as a Service program. You can invest in automation without having to wait your turn for your capital project to be approved. The big benefit for our customers, it takes a lot of pressure off of them to have the system running perfectly when we leave. Typically, once an integrator is done with the installation and startup, then it's it's now the responsibility of the customer to make sure it's humming along and working. With the Flex program, they know that we're there every step of the way. You know, we're just a phone call away 24-7. If we can't do it over the phone, we'll be on site to support them. To learn more, head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash steamchain or tune in to episode 45 featuring Robex, where Craig talks all about machine as a service. And now, back to today's episode. You know, I kind of want to weave the human element back into this now, too, because uh, as, as more robotics are coming into play, more automation, you know, where do you see opportunities opening up for people as robotics and automation are becoming more and more utilized? Because it's a theme on the show. And I think most of our audience agrees, you know, robotics are a job creator. I'd love to hear where you're seeing that firsthand. Oh, yeah. I mean, since we've introduced our robots, we've we've created a position of robot team leader, and they're they're an hourly position, um, but they're in charge of pretty much that frontline management of the robots. Uh, they'll start the robots up uh, pre-sort. They'll monitor them during the sort. If there's an issue during the sort, they'll be the ones that will address it with with the robot. Um, at the end of the sort, they'll write up their report if there's anything that the technicians needed to take care of uh, during the downtime, and then they'll turn off the system as need be. And those positions are growing and growing as we deploy more robots. Um, and what's great is those those guys are excelling, to say the least. Uh, they love their robots. Um, We've always joked that because they name their robots, that sometimes they have to remember when they fill out the technical reports to put the technical number of the robot, not the name, because the technician might not know what the name of the robot is. (laughs) Uh, I got to interrupt. What's the best name you've seen for a robot out there so far? (laughs) um, Let's see. There's uh, Daddy King at one of our facilities. CSI Lewis. I don't know where that one came from. Um, but there, there's uh, 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 Emma May at one facility, uh, Bobby Jack at another one. And I mean, it's, it's interesting what they name them. Uh, but the whole thing is just, it just shows that connection that they've made with them. Yeah. Um, and, they're, and, and the team leaders, they're very protective of their, of their robots. Uh, one, one of our team leaders, I mean, she is an amazing lady. She is in her sixties. Um, and she is like mother hen to her group of, of, of robots. And she, I was out at the operation one night and I was just observing, taking notes. And she, and she had a new guy who was actually just training, uh, to sort of mirror her, Mm-hmm. And man, he he was he was sending packages into the cell, and she's like, 
And I think this was was Randall was the robot, if I okay. remember correctly. She said, Randall does not like the packages fed that way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that you and, had a story for that. <laughs> and, and, and it just, she just was like very, I mean, of like, I was just waiting for her to like stroke Randall's head. I'm like, it's okay, baby. It'll be, it'll be fine. But it's a, this, this is what's so great about this because I've seen it elsewhere. I've gone into customer facilities and I've seen the same thing. I've been at some manufacturing facilities where you might have a group of like UR robots uh, maintaining some CNC machines and the head machinist, man, is he protective of his robots? I mean, he is, but he, he, he knows exactly how he's going to program them, how he's going to use them. And he'll be the first one to tell you what it, what it, the benefit to him is. And see, that's, that's, that's when I knew we had a big win is, is when our employees started talking about not only how the robots were helping FedEx service our customers, but how it was making their lives easier. Mm-hmm. And the moment you get to that point, you know, you have your workforce has bought in to this is the moment that they start making the connection of how the robots are making their lives better. It, you, it's win. It, you, you're, you've got the win down. So it, it is. How do you carry? How do you carry that forward? So, uh, and, and that 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 always brings a smile to my face. And because I, I've I've seen I've seen folks that have never seen a robot in their life, mm-hmm. and they're terrified of it. But within 10, 14 days, when they're embracing it, and they're they're telling us, "Oh, well, I'd like them to be able to do this. I want them to be able to do this. I think I think we can make them do this." Boom. Yeah. Bought in. There's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an, it's an element of creativity and ownership that like you don't get in the, the dirty, dull, dangerous jobs. Now you're, now you're finding ways to make it more productive, make it more fun. Like it's pretty cool. Every, everything you're saying, and certainly uh, some entertaining stories you had there that, that really illustrate that, you know, at, at this point in the interview, you and I are probably about to order another round of prank calls to Satan <laughs> at, uh, at the brewery. Um, and I've got another brewery oriented question. So, you know, it's appropriate, I think, that we're doing this interview on a Wednesday because you're always out there posting content on Workforce Wednesday. So let's say mm-hmm. we get that next round and uh, and the beer tender is like, so Aaron, what what is this Workforce Wednesday thing? How do you describe it to him? Uh, we started Workforce Wednesday a couple months ago, I guess. And it was this whole idea of I was putting out all that content about robots and you have beer pouring robots and a, a robot that did this or did that. And it's like, and I was, I was still getting comments of like, well, why don't you p- talk about workforce stuff? And I'm like, well, touche. Um, and so Wednesday seemed like a nice logical day to do it. Um, the hashtag already was out there. Um, so I really wanted to start focusing on showing off those folks, those programs, uh, just the news events mm-hmm. that could help develop that next group of workforce uh, people. And so I, I try and get at least three good stories mm-hmm. um, that I can gather up during the week and put them out there and saying, Hey, here is a great program in Ohio that is training folks on robotics. Mm -hmm. Or here is somebody that went from 
working at AutoZone, which is a great company, a Memphis-based company, mm-hmm. uh, and was doing great, but wanted more, wanted to do other things. And they went into this training program, and now they're doing this at AutoZone. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we've actually seen a bunch of folks going, for, going from the store floor, learning automation there, and now they're doing automation in their warehouses. So it's just collecting these stories and telling them. Are they the top performing LinkedIn posts I do? No. <laughs> uh, they probably have some of the lowest numbers out there. But the flip side is, is I've gotten more emails and messages about mm. those posts of, thank you for showing that. I showed that to this guy and he's going into the program. Or, man, I didn't know that exists. I needed to talk to this person. So the whole thing is, is yes, the, the beer pouring robot posts get a bunch of likes and everyone's laughing. But the whole thing is, is those, those Workforce Wednesday posts, I really enjoy because if I get one person into a program or I make, if I connect an employer with somebody that's producing the talent just down the road from them, that's been a, the other thing that's been really interesting is literally having a manufacturing say, I did not know that program existed and they're 10 miles away from mm-hmm. until I saw your post. Then I've done my job. I've done, I've, I've, I've made a connection for somebody that could totally change the the trajectory of their lives, their business, whatever. And I don't care if it only got five likes. Who cares? It did its job. It 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 did exactly what I wanted it the post to do. And that was just to inform a person that here is a program or here is somebody that's doing this. Go do something now. Yeah. So um I I, I still like putting those up. I think today was a post about um, a, a, a program, I think, in Middle, uh, middle Ohio. Um, and actually, FedEx is mentioned in the post. I did not even know it, we were going to be mentioned in the post. But, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was a nice thing. And already, I think I've gotten two emails of thanking for that, of posting that. And then just another one of just pointing out how in, in, in this country, we still sort of have this issue of, oh, everyone needs to go to college. And it's like, well, do we? I mean, there's there's so many great jobs out there that don't require a four-year degree. Some don't even require a two-year degree. Mm-hmm. And and those can re- lead to some, some very fulfilling careers. I mean, a lot of folks have done some great things of just going through some of these programs getting their certificate and going on and, and having a very successful career and providing for their families and themselves. So it's like, I, I always want to point that out of don't think because you didn't go to a four-year college, you're not going to be successful. That's a bunch of bull. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and quite frankly, sometimes I look back of, of my education it's like, mm, could I have done this differently? Possibly. Because the biggest thing I've always said about a four-year degree is that it's like a used car. The moment you drive it off the lot, it's already depreciating in value. <laughs> that's so uh, that's an I, interesting way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm what twenty years out. So yeah, my 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 degree is probably only about two percent of its real worth right now. So 
No, great, great points. And and you're doing great work out there. And I think, you know, going back to that conversation we had earlier about people wanting to be YouTubers and influencers, I mean, the you kind of highlighted that the influence isn't in the amount of likes. Like, it's fun to do the robot videos. It builds your audience. But it's really where you make the individual impacts with some of those posts that maybe it doesn't show up on uh, in the comments and in the likes as much, but in the impact you're making behind the scenes and making those connections, it's awesome stuff. You know, I, I, I want to give the, the listeners some actionable advice before we wrap up, you know, you're really involved in workforce development. You know, what's, what's the way you'd recommend people, you, people get more involved or an organization that you like that really advocates for uh, workforce mm-hmm. development? Yeah. I mean, I think, we have some great things that are happening out there. Uh, we talked about the ARM Institute. They just launched their new uh, website for job postings out there, especially in the robotics area. I definitely encourage folks to look at those of not only maybe finding jobs, but also finding programs that if you are interested in getting in this, of finding out what is that local program that might be, again, just 10 miles down the road. And you might not even know it exists, but if that's what you want to get into, you need to find those programs. So definitely make sure checking out the ARM Institute. They've got some great things. But I mean, you could Google robot jobs right now and you'd find a lot of great programs. Uh, I know here in Tennessee, we have a bunch of community colleges that have some great programs and they openly advocate for trying to get folks. But the biggest thing, this goes back to all things, you got to put yourself out there. You You got to get yourself out there first and find those programs. Um, the program I'm, I, I always try and highlight the most is, is the e, is eCami up in uh, Paintsville, Kentucky. Um, it's the uh, Eastern Kentucky uh, Manufacturing Institute, Advanced Manufacturing Institute. They are in a rural, rural part of, of Kentucky, uh, former coal mining area. Uh, and they've been, they were very much started of retraining former coal miners in advanced manufacturing and robotics. And they are now up to over 10 classes that they've knocked out. They do an adult class, they do a youth class, and their grads are going everywhere. Now, the ultimate goal is, is to attract manufacturers to that part of Kentucky. And in time, I think that will happen because the workforce is there. The workforce is really being built up in that part of Kentucky. And just to put a logistics bend on it, when you look at it on a map, talk about centrally located of mm. equal distance to Cincinnati, Louisville, Nashville, yeah, the Carolinas, Washington, D.C. I mean, talk about a very centrally located place. There is a reason why FedEx Ground and our other companies have facilities in that area because it's centrally located. Mm. So. So I, I would always stress with for manufacturers that, that keep saying, I can't find talents as well. Maybe you need to start looking into some of these areas that are actually building the talent and you could actually probably locate there. And so I always, that's one thing I always try and stress there is, is just because you might not be able to find the local talent doesn't mean the, the talent ain't out there. Sometimes even as a manufacturer or business, you might need to look at, do I need to relocate some of my things? Mm-hmm. And trust me, uh, us, us logistics companies will be glad there to support you and ship from it for you from there. But what was great about the team at eCami is, again, they put themselves out there. Okay, they're in a rural part of, of the state, 
But man, they have Haas CNC machines that uh, tons of them. Students are training on those throughout the week. They have Mir robots. They have UR robots. They have Yaskawa robots. They have they have a, a fully functioning robotics lab that the students are getting trained on. Students walk in there with zero knowledge of robotics, and in ten days are doing lights out production with them. Nice. So, so the whole thing is this. This is another thing to stress to the manufacturers that are listening that are on the edge of. I don't know if I can really train my folks to do this. We took former coal miners with zero experience in robotics, and in 10 days, they were doing lights out production, and they love it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, so the whole thing, it, it can be done. Programs are out there that do, like eCami can do that. And another thing for the manufacturers out there, if you're not talking to your local academic programs and, and you're complaining about why there's no one to hire, you two need to talk. <laughs> There's a disconnect there. If, if if your local academic folks don't even know what you need, they can't build it for you. Makes so, perfect sense. Yep. So the biggest thing for the manufa- manufacturers listening out there is, is make sure you always, you're connecting with your local academic talent so that they know what they train folks on. Awesome stuff. And I will be linking up to the ARM Institute as well as eCami. You and I have talked about eCami before. In fact, I think we were going to record this when you were on site there, but you were like, eh, there might be a little too much going on that day. <laughs> yep. But but yeah, I will be linking up to that in the show notes for anyone that's curious. You know, this is, this is the point where, where the interview typically comes to an end and I ask a question. It's like, is there something you wish I would have asked you that I haven't yet? And I certainly want to give you that opportunity, but you mentioned something earlier in the interview that I just have to bring up. You said we could do a whole episode on Futurama. What can our audience mm-hmm. learn about technology from Futurama? <laughs> oh, what can't they learn? I mean, I, I, always, I always found it very interesting that Bender runs off of alcohol. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, there are there was a robot a while back, actually in the early 2000s, that scientists were actually trying to build that would eat food and then run off of it. Mm-hmm. And pretty much it was just them making sugar cubes. Uh, and the, the failure point was that the robot had to eat these sugar cubes for eight hours and only we get 15 minutes of power. So, yeah, that, that, that wasn't going to work out. But it's interesting now that the scientists are actually looking at it again of can the bio waste be a product, could be a fuel for robots? And it's like, wait, wasn't this an episode of Futurama? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, there's so many things of, of you watch that show and it's like, and then you see some of these advancements sometimes coming out of it. And it, it's almost like the Simpsons always predicted certain things and the Futurama was a, a sister show of Futurama. It, it is starting to like, okay, Futurama is going to start predicting some of these things and it will be interesting because I like one of the first early episodes was the, the theme park on the moon mm-hmm. and all this news is coming out of how we're going to send uh, robots to the moon to, so they can start mining and building things up there to for space missions eventually onto Mars and other places from there. But it's like, okay, yeah, but that's, that's setting the baseline for Disneyland moon, I think. Um, 
and that that would be in a show uh, from the from Futurama back then. So it'll be sad. I, I don't know if you and me will be around, Chris, when that when that reality happens. <laughs> but hopefully, someone will say, "Wait a second, that was an episode of the show back in the 20th century, or 21st century, called Futurama of when they built that that theme park on the moon." We could digest. We could probably break down numerous episodes on that. No. But I actually have a question for you, Chris. Okay. All right. I, you can flip it. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the Blues this year? Oh my goodness! I was because you're. Are you a Boston sports fan? Am I making that up? No, I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm a Boston guy. Okay. So my my team. My team's still in for now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Man, I uh, the uh, no excuses. Blues just did not look like a, like a good team in the playoffs. Our goaltending was looking good, but that's you know that'll only get you so far. The one yeah. excuse I'll make is one of our top scores, David Perron, was out on the COVID list mm-hmm. the whole time. But and also to the credit, the Avalanche are just looking really good right now. So oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I think the Avalanche are going to be a very tough team this whole season. The re- the rest of the playoffs. Agreed. And to your credit, Bruins are looking pretty good, too. I didn't think that series against the Capitals was going to go uh, as as quickly as it did. So uh, you look like you might have some fun ahead. Yep. I used I used to be a off-ice official for a minor league team mm. uh, down here. So uh, the whole reference I used before of minor league, which which robot teams are sort of in the robot uh, companies are still sort of in the minor leagues. I take that to heart because I've seen how players are developed. And it's very similar of just seeing how some of these some of these companies are they have some great stuff. They're just not there yet. But give them time. They just need more time in the minors to get their stuff together. They need to work on a couple of things. So I always I, I, I always do that kind of reference of flashing back to the days of me seeing some of these A ball type of players in hockey mm-hmm. of like, I mean, I knew right away says, that guy's gonna be with us a week and then he's moving up. Yeah. Or that guy's gonna be in a, here a week and he's gonna be gone. It is. I always encourage startups of making sure that they have all their skills developed so that they're ready for the major leagues for big companies like FedEx and others. But I'll always make the recommendations. So this is what I think you guys need to work on. Little sports analogy there. No, I, I love Hey, I'm all about sports analogies. I will also say very literally, I love minor league hockey too. The amount of fights that break out there more so than in the majors is, uh, is certainly entertaining. Um, and best of luck to your Bruins. I know we, we got the better of you two years ago, so I, I'll, uh, I'll keep yep. my mouth shut since we've already been bounced <laughs> from the playoffs as we record this here in May, 2021. But, uh, Aaron, last question, what's the best way to find you? What's, uh, what's next for you? How, how can we connect with you? Definitely on LinkedIn. Please come and follow me on that. I do try to follow folks back. I am a little selective sometimes of who I let into my network, but uh, always if people follow me there and even send me a note of what you're working on, that's great. I always try and keep a note of who's in my network and what everyone's working on, so I can uh, pay that forward, say the least. Uh, I'm not. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not a Twitter guy. I'm sorry. That older generation, I'm just not into TikTok and Instagram and all those kind of things. It's our job to meet where meet you where you are. You've got the experience, so you can call the shots at this point. We'll we'll find you mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, I'd rather be good on one site and provide good content there. 
Yep. Well, as an action item to the crowd, if you are connecting with Aaron on LinkedIn, just uh, include in your message that you made it to like the 45 minute mark in our interview today. That'll uh, that'll be a good way to, to know if you're legit or not. So, um, Aaron, it was great connecting with you. It's always fun getting to chat, talk robotics, talk workforce and uh, talk sports as well. So thanks so much for jumping on the show today. Thank you, Chris. Talk soon. Cheers, everyone. Hey, 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 hope you had fun with that episode. Always great to uh, chat about hockey towards the end of these conversations. Obviously, that did not work out too well for me this year as a St. Louis sports fan. But nevertheless, we'll see who is still in the race for the cup when this episode airs in mid-June. A big thanks to Aaron and FedEx for appearing on this show. He had a lot of great resources to mention. If you want to learn anything more about the resources that Aaron mentioned, whether that's the ARM Institute, whether that's eCami, or even that's figuring out how to get to Wise Acre Brewing to get that prank calls from Satan IPA, you can find all of that and more over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 52. Before we wrap up, two quick announcements. You know, I know at the end, a lot of times I ask for a five-star rating and review. You know, you can always do that at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. But right now, I'd actually encourage you to think about joining our Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community over on LinkedIn. It has over 400 manufacturing leaders in this group. We're always exchanging best practices, ideas, job postings trying to find ways to help one another in the industry. It's a great crew. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. It'll take you right there and you'll be let into the group right away. I also want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Steam Chain. Steam Chain is the machine as a service company. You've heard about them on the show before. They were all the way back in episode five, but we've also talked to some of their users like Arnold Machine, AMI as they're also called, as well as Robex. You can listen to all those episodes here on Manufacturing Happy Hour. And to learn more about Steam Chain, just head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash steamchain to figure out how you can get started with machine as a service today. And with that, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for sticking around. We got more cool applications coming up on the show next week. Stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.